Welcome to Unbroken Jars. I'm Doug. And I'm Randy. And this is a podcast where we explore individuals' real-life stories and real faith. You're listening to Unbroken Jars, Episode 15, The Storms That Rage. The light of Jesus shines through the darkness, and we carry this light in unbroken jars of clay. We have a life and a story about our faith journey, but we're not struck down or destroyed. Our stories shine the light on Jesus and His power. Our faith walk has forever been shaped by the life of one man, that's Jesus. Jesus continues to use these real life stories of those around us to mold us. We dive into this world by investigating, interviewing, and walking alongside real people who share their stories, their faith stories of struggle, sin, joy, and victory, and how God is leading them will help shape your faith journey in unbroken jars of clay. Today, Malia Ellis is joining us. Malia attends here at Mayfair uh, with her husband, Jake, and her one-year-old son, Daniel. Uh, Both Randy and I know Malia and Jake, but we haven't had a ton of interaction outside of the the church setting. So, um, But last week, we received an email from Malia letting us know that she'd be willing to share her story, and we appreciate that. I want to thank you for being willing to do that, first off, and I want to welcome you to the Unbroken Jars community. Good morning, and thank you for the opportunity to share. Yeah, well, uh, that's what we do here. So, yeah, hey, Malia, maybe just by way of introduction, uh, share with those listening a little bit about your family, maybe how it got you here to Huntsville. Yeah, sure. So, my name is Malia Ellis, and I'm married to Jake Ellis, and we have a one year old little boy named Daniel. And I am originally from Birmingham, Alabama. Hmm. My husband is from Grant, Alabama. So, we got not, a local boy, right? So, right. not We're, too far. Yeah. Um, Going back to Birmingham, I grew up in Birmingham in a suburb called Pleasant Grove. It's on the western side of Jefferson County, um, very similar to like a Mayberry type town. <laughs> if you, if so was it <laughs> was it Birmingham then? It was a Birmingham suburb. So okay. it was just yeah. out some. Out some. Yeah. So maybe 10,000 people that lived mm-hmm. there, um, 5A school. Um, but yeah, like a Mayberry town. I mean, yeah. A one red light town. <laughs> so pretty small. That's cool. And, um, everyone knows everyone there. But yeah, I you know, grew up there from birth until 19 years and worshiped there. My dad served as an elder at the church, you know, there that I spent my life at. And um, but yeah, that's originally where I'm from. Cool. So and you moved here because of Jake. Yes. So I was attending the University of Alabama and preparing to graduate. Mm-hmm. My husband and I met online. And, uh, As a lot of people do. Yes, we actually met online. And Malia's 29, for those listening, yes. right? Is that accurate? That's right. Okay. And Jake, he um, graduated from Mississippi State. Yeah. He was working on the arsenal as an engineer, so go figure, right? Huntsville. Right. <laughs> and yeah. It's um, a good place to be. So I was graduating and um, was willing to move here. I'm a teacher, so with my career, I'm, I can go pretty much anywhere that I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we decided to land here. We moved here probably six years ago, roughly. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a son. A one-year-old. Right. Mm -hmm. And Daniel is his name, right? Daniel. Okay. 
Tell us a little bit about Daniel. So <laughs> Daniel has had a very interesting first year of life um, with most COVID kids. Oh, yeah. So he was oh, yeah. born That's um, right. when COVID was really um, ramping up. And the hospitals were inundated with people. And, um, you know, we weren't able to have family with us at the hospital. And there was a lot of uncertainty as far as, you know, children and pregnant women when COVID started. Um, mm. There wasn't a lot of data or mm-hmm. research. Mm-hmm. So um, anyways, he was born in May. And his first year of life has been, you know, indoors. And um, Mm. it's been quite the adjustment. He's starting pre-K, or he's starting preschool in the fall. So we're trying to get him acclimated to people and Bible classes and church. So he's wonderful. He's he's all boy. Uh Uh-huh. So he's a rough and tough little boy, yeah. but he's he's wonderful. We're really blessed. Well, it's it's an adventure. You know, I didn't think about that even, Randy. I, you know what what Malia was saying about the adjustment for all the kids. You know, you worked in kids ministry all yeah. that time. Yeah. I didn't even think about that being part of <laughs> part of kids' adjustment. Mine are older, so the the first time through is always a rough time. But especially these ones that have had it not at all. And what's made it really difficult for us is Jake and I have both been teleworking. Oh yeah. Since March, when the COVID started. Yeah. So he has never not known us. <laughs> he doesn't know him. anybody else. Right. Does he? So <laughs> we've been with him twenty four seven. Right. So it's been an adjustment for him, you know, to stay with grandparents or you know to stay in Bible class for forty five minutes, and you know, where's mom and dad? Sure. Because he can just look up at home, and we're always there. Mm. So transitioning him to that, you know, preschool for mm-hmm. socialization is going to be really good. Sure, sure. What? So, so part of what brought you in today is you you, you sent us that email and, and, and reached out to us, which I appreciate. That's one of the things in the last podcast we asked, you know, and I appreciate your willingness to come in. And it, one of the things that you mentioned is some storms in life that came and that began in 2011. But specifically, um, tell, tell us a little bit about the 2011 tornadoes that... Uh, that you guys experienced? Sure. So really dating back to 2010, um, I was a senior in high school, mm-hmm. and my dad worked in management in Birmingham. He worked in the steel industry, which is, you know, what Birmingham is known for, this, the steel industry. Mm-hmm. And I was a senior in high school, and my dad lost his job. Mm-hmm. And uh, That was in 2010? That said? was in 2010. Mm-hmm. So I um, moved to Freed Hardman in, let's see, July, yeah, July of 2010. And I was attending school there, and um, I was getting ready to transfer back home to attend the University of Alabama. Um, the University of Alabama was about 45 minutes from where I grew up, so it was, you know, pretty close to home. Yeah. And, um, you know, we knew a lot of people there at the church, mm-hmm. so I felt like it would be a good change. Mm-hmm. So I moved home in December of 2010, and I was living at home. Um, I have a younger brother, and my mom and dad, four of us were living at home. I have a grandmother that lives up the street. So we lived in this neighborhood where, you know, everyone knows everyone. You can Maybe. Walk, right. Uh-huh. So you can walk <laughs> each other's house. Right. And, um, you know, I could walk to my grandmother's house. And, uh, you know, it was just the ideal place to live. Mm-hmm. So um, in 2010 or 2011, it was April. And our family was at Lads to Leaders. If you're familiar with Lads to Leaders. Yeah, yeah. Um, so our church was really involved with Lads to Leaders. And um, they were predicting that we were going to have a significant tornado outbreak mm-hmm. the following week. 
And, you know, when they tell you weeks in advance, like, hey, this is something that, you know, to be watching, you know pretty much that they're, they're getting numbers and, you know, data yeah, that's yeah. just off the charts. So we were at Lattice Leaders, and we were, you know, watching the weather, and, you know, my dad was like, I think it's going to be pretty bad next week. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we came home, and April 27th, um, the morning of, as you know, it was a major historic tornado outbreak. Right. You know, there were you know, 200 people killed in our state. There were, you know, I forgot how many tornadoes hmm. that span across the entire state. But it was one of the most catastrophic, catastrophic events in mm-hmm. Alabama's history. So the morning of, uh, we were all at home. I have a brother. He was in high school. He was 14. My mom had gone to work. My dad and I were at home. And a tornado had touched down in Walker County, which is where my family is from. Mm-hmm. My family, my mom and dad are from Walker County. So mm-hmm. we had family there. So my dad and I left and went to go check on them. And they were fine. They didn't sustain any damage. So the next few hours, the tornadoes through Coleman. I don't know if y'all remember that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then oh, through yeah. Tuscaloosa. And right. we were watching that all live from our living room. And so, you know, we were pretty concerned. My mom, you know, got off work early, and my brother, they let the schools out. So mm-hmm. we were all at home. My grandmother was up the road, and um, we were watching James Spann. So yeah. for those of you who know, James Spann oh, is yes. kind of the, the go-to James. guy. He's the man. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah in Birmingham. Yes. Yeah, so th- absolutely. He was really the only person we ever watched. And mm-hmm. he kept saying, if you live in Birmingham, you know, it's going to come through Tuscaloosa, and it's going to pass through Birmingham, so you need to be ready. Mm-hmm. So we were watching it in our living room, and they had live footage on the sky cams. And we were watching these tornadoes just, I mean, destroy Tuscaloosa. Yeah. So um, anyways, we were watching it. We went and picked my grandmother up to bring her to our house because we didn't want her to be alone if right. the weather got bad. So anyways, they were talking about if you live in Pleasant Grove, Hueytown, Bessemer, they were naming all the towns surrounding, you know, where I grew up. You need to be ready within 45 minutes. Mm. So we went downstairs. We had a pretty large two-story brick house with a split foyer. And we had a den downstairs with a luggage closet. Mm. So we went ahead and put my grandmother, you know, downstairs. Well, my dad and I went upstairs, and we were standing on the porch. And there was debris falling out of the sky from Tuscaloosa, that had been wow. lofted. So oh, wow. T-shirts, um, prescription bottles, um, housing insulation, roofing shingles. I mean, it was literally just falling out of the sky. Mm. And we were walking around picking up stuff, and it was like T-shirts from Tuscaloosa. I mean, yeah. that's 45 minutes yeah. up the road. That's wild. And um, so my dad was like, you know, this is the debris cloud. So, you know, this is pretty serious. And yeah. You know, we uh, we just kept watching. So we went downstairs and we said, let's put my grandmother in the closet in case the weather, you know, gets bad and it would take her longer to move. And so we put her in the closet. My mom and brother were downstairs and my dad grabbed his camera. And he said, let's go and take pictures of the debris falling out of the sky. We were standing on our front porch and I kid you not, we looked at the pine thicket and there was an F4 tornado coming up our road. Oh my goodness. And the tornado was so large that it wouldn't fit in the lens of the camera. Hmm. And we could see it, you know, probably, I don't know, 200 yards away. And it was oh, yeah. wiping every house out as it was coming up our road. Hmm. So the last thing I can remember is my dad, um, you know, telling us, you need to run. So I remember running, 
jumped in the closet and my dad jumped in on top of us. So my brother, my mom, my grandmother and I were in there. My dad jumped in on top and we could hear it coming. Power lines started snapping and the entire second story of our house lifted off. Oh my goodness. Um, and I'm, I don't mean like trees were snapping, power line poles, like a big brick house that was just completely yeah. lofted in the sky. Sure. So, you know, we were just hanging on. Um, the suction and the air, um, it literally sucked the air out of your lungs to where you couldn't breathe. Um, you could hear the glass breaking and the bricks were flying. And mm-hmm. you looked up and there was, there was nothing there. And I can remember my dad saying, you know, just keep hanging on. It's almost over. It's almost over. But, you know, we just knew that, like, this is it. Yeah. You know, my mom was saying, like, goodbye. Wow. So, yeah, mm. it was pretty rough. Mm. I can't even imagine. So, um, yeah. Uh, even reliving that now, see the emotion coming back to right? For sure. And that's sure. okay. Um, I, I can't imagine the, the trauma when you're looking over going, this is it. You know, there, there's just no preparation for that. What was that like? You know, everybody can't see you necessarily, but yeah. there's emotion there, right? They can hear it in your voice. But what was that like for you personally? Like, what are the things that really stick out well, to you? Well, it was like you said, you can't really prepare. Yeah. Because um, you wake up that morning thinking that it's just going to be a normal day. Right. And, you know, thinking that within seconds, like, you're about to lose your entire family. Yeah. You're about to lose your life. Um, and it was just going to, it was all going to end. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my mom, she kept saying, you know, I love you, goodbye. And, I mean, that we knew that was it. Because when you have an F4 tornado, um, for those of you that don't know, that's 190 mile per hour winds. Yeah. And when those storm surveyors and weather, you know, channel came out, they said that, you know, your family shouldn't have survived the storm. Mm. Yeah. That's... And, and um, so a lot of the, the second story caved in where we were mm-hmm. um it lasted probably 15 seconds but like i said the suction um was unreal yeah i mean you can just imagine just hearing everything above you you know taking off and flying and um so 15 seconds and we looked at each other and uh, we were all here we were still here did the anything the debris collapse anything fall on top of you from the second it hit floor? a wall and we were protected by a wall wow Wow. Yeah. Every, like the bricks and the two befores and nails and everything hit that wall and it kind of blocked it from where we were. Mm-hmm. So I can remember my dad, um, he broke down the door and he crawled out first. And then I, my mom and I crawled out and it was kind of like your ears were ringing. Mm-hmm. There was nothing left. Still like the neighborhood. I mean, imagine like Hampton Cove mm-hmm. and all these houses and everything was flat. Yeah. And I'm not talking, like I said, trees are down and power lines. I'm talking like huge homes that were just completely. Oh, yeah. There's nothing left. So we um, crawled out of the closet and we went out in the street and there was gas spewing and power line poles that had been snapped and just slab foundations left of homes. Hmm. Just as far as you can see. I mean, it looked like a bomb had gone off. Yeah. And um, I can just remember looking down you know around our neighborhood and i I couldn't even get my bearings of landmarks sure Um, yeah and i just i dropped to my knees i mean i I really didn't know what to do sure 
and my brother was 14. So he was in shock. My grandmother, you know, she was in shock. We were all in shock. Mm -hmm. And I can remember my dad saying, we're all here. Mm -hmm. And that's all that matters. Right. You know, material things can be replaced, but you can't replace your family. Sure. And we live in a world today that is so materialistic. And people, you know, they find their identity in homes and cars and houses, you know, just things. Yeah. And um, it was interesting to see how people responded. Mm-hmm. You know, some people were worried about, you know, I lost my house from my car. And here we are. We're just happy that we all survived when we shouldn't have survived. I was going to ask you, what about your neighbors? Were any were there any fatalities or anything in that area? Right, yes. Yeah. So um, my tennis coach mm-hmm. in high school, he was around the corner. So he saw our house and came sprinting down the road because he knew that, like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. So he came sprinting to us yelling, are, are you all okay? Are you okay? And, you know, we were fine. And then my brother's friend that played baseball with us, his family came to help us, um, and their houses had, had made it and survived. Mm-hmm. So my dad, you know, we kind of rallied together. We looked, and he said we need to divide up and start working. He said there are people, and there were, there were people yelling that were trapped. There were people... You can't get rescue personnel there. Right, the roads are the blocked. Road, the yeah. roads are blocked. Yeah. The yeah. cell phone towers are down. Oh, you yeah. can't call 911. So, I mean, it's really you're triaging people in the road. So, mm. my dad said, let's divide up. So, my brother went to the house behind us. My mom and I went down the road. My dad went. We, we all just split. <laughs> and um, we had 12 people pass away. Oh, my goodness. And these are people that, like, you grew up with. Yeah teachers from the school, the librarian of the town, yeah, you know, families, you know, that had children, parents, and um, so, yeah, so we all split up. My brother, um, I think my brother probably experienced it the worst. Mm-hmm. He went to the house that was directly behind ours, and it was a family of four, or five, mom and dad, and then three children, and the family had taken shelter under a slab foundation of the house. And my brother, he's 14 years old. So, I mean, this is something that no one really needs to endure, but a 14-year-old, right? So he was alone, and he was the first person to get to that family. Mm-hmm. And there was a man that came out and said, my family is trapped. You're really tall, and you're skinny. I need your help. And my brother, you know, he can remember, he reached down in the slab foundation, and there was a baby that was six weeks old mm-hmm. in a car seat. And my brother started pinching the baby to get the baby to cry. So my brother knew that the baby had, you know, survived and was okay. There was a two-year-old and a five-year-old, and they had gotten out. And the father, you know, had gotten out, but Mm -hmm. the mother had passed away. So, you know, we all ran over there to help, and I can remember, you know, watching her die in front of us and knowing that, like, this wasn't the only person. This was all throughout our neighborhood. And, you know, I was 19. My brother was 14. And you're watching this in live action. I mean, it was like a war. Yeah. And it, and it was just, you know, I don't want to say you become numb to it, but it was like there are other people, you know, and you just had yeah. to keep going. Yeah. And I can just remember, you know, watching them do CPR on her. Sure. And knowing that she had passed away and, you know, go up the road and other people had passed away. And it was really hard mm-hmm. to see that, um, especially, you know, for children or for mm-hmm. kids. Um, but yeah, so that kind of (laughs) was our story. Um, my family, we decided not to rebuild because of the trauma. 
Mm. Because you don't want to rebuild in a place. Right. Or you've yeah. experienced that. There's yeah. nothing left. There's no trees. And it's just a dirt landfill. Did you stay in that community and just moved no. completely away? So my, my family decided to start over and move across town. Mm. So once we got, you know, insurance settled and mm-hmm. everything replaced, my family moved to um, 280. Yeah. Near 280. And my brother, you know, he was in high school, so he transferred schools. And, um, wow. But, you know, what I'm willing to say is we all process tra- tragedy different. Oh, and, sure. And um, it all affected us differently. Right. So I, I pretty much went into survival mode. Um, you know, my brother really took it hard. My parents took it hard. And out of all of us, I was the only one that sought counseling. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's not, I mean, we're in Alabama, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and to be honest, I mean, church people, you know, you talked about your family being very involved in the church, your dad being an elder. We don't do that very often, right? It's rare that we actually ask for help. That's one of the reasons why we created this podcast is reality. We want to know, we want to let yes. people know that yeah. all people go through something and that, so that's, that's good that you are willing and able to to reach out. And people need to know that, like, your church family is the best family that you can have. Because yeah. our church family, they were the first people there feeding us, you know, giving us essentials. Mm-hmm. And it just it meant so much to us. But, um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, it can shake your faith. Oh, sure. I, I don't want to turn the page too quickly with that story, but I know that you you mentioned also that, I think you called the storms of life kind of hit even after the tornado. Right. There were some things that you, your family, or you went through personally that were uh, tough. Maybe could you, if you don't mind, could you share some of that? Sure. So um, after the tornado, I stuck with my original plan. I transferred to the University of Alabama for school. My parents moved across town, bought a new house. My brother was attending a new school. Um, so, you know, life was getting back to normal for the most part, and we were trying to just to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something, and I know Doug's probably familiar with it, it's called survivor's guilt, mm. and it's actually a, um, a diagnosis yeah. that you know people that have survived traumatic events you know, go through, and that was something that we were all struggling with. Oh, uh, sure, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and what I mean by that is, you know, all of our family members made it. But, you know, how about the family behind us, the three kids that lost their mother? Yeah. Or, you know, how about, you know, the family up here, you know, the couple that's been married for, you know, 50 years. Yeah. And, you know, one lost a spouse. And that's something that, like, you internalize. Mm-hmm. And you ask yourself, well, why Why did I make it in this person? Mm. All right. And then you start to question, you know, God's intentions. Well, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? And that's, a, you know, something we always ask ourselves, you know, well, why me? Why did I have to stay? And, you know, this family, you know, they were affected forever, yeah. separated. Um, but anyways, I was the only person in our family, and my parents and brother, they don't mind me sharing this, that sought counseling. Mm-hmm. So I was attending Central Church of Christ right. in Tuscaloosa. Right. And there was a lovely couple, um, and she was a certified counselor. Mm-hmm. So I was going to her once a week. You know, and she was just kind of helping me, yeah. you know, talk because you need to talk through things like that. For sure, yeah, for sure. Um, because that's a tragic event for anybody, and you know, flashbacks and unable to sleep at night, and survivor's guilt. 
Yeah. So I met with her once a week, and that really helped me kind of overcome right. that mental block. Processing through. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And she was able to relate because she was in Tuscaloosa yeah. when the tornado hit. Sure. And it hit her neighborhood. Oh, wow. So we had a, a special bond yeah. there, and she was able, like I said, to you know work help me work through um, those issues. But my brother... He, you know, didn't get help because that's kind of the uncool thing to do when you're in high school. And, sure. Yeah. You know. Especially for dudes at any time, yeah. right? Yeah. We and, all are macho. And men, too. Yeah, yeah. For that Just much, in general, right? Because, you know, some people think that asking for help is a sign of weakness. Right. Or has a negative stigma of, you yeah. know, I, I don't want to be that person that, right. you know, yeah. goes to counseling. I can do this on my own. Mm-hmm. But there are events in your life to where you can't. Right. And it's okay to admit, like, I need someone that is a professional mm-hmm. that can help me overcome this. So my, you know, my mom was really busy with her career, and my dad was, you know, starting a new job. My brother was in a new high school. So they kind of coped with staying busy. Mm-hmm. But then life started slowing down, and I was going to school in Tuscaloosa, and so I wasn't at home kind of seeing what was going on there. My brother, um, he was a star athlete. He was a star pitcher, played baseball, um, had recruits coming from all over to watch him play, mm-hmm. was going to play, you know, he had signed to play ball in college. Um, like I said, he was a pitcher. And my parents, they kind of like started growing apart because of the stress mm-hmm. of the storm mm-hmm. in, on their marriage. Sure. And, um, so anyways, I was in Tuscaloosa, and I really didn't know that things were as bad as was what they were at home because I wasn't seeing it. I wasn't there, you know, constantly, but I just kept thinking, you know, everybody's recovered from this. We're all, you know, on the path to normalcy. And so my brother was getting ready to go play baseball in college, and he had a major um, injury called Tommy John. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with that. Very yeah. familiar, yeah. yeah. I'm a, I love baseball. So, so that's a, very that's a pretty major injury yeah. for yeah. a pitcher um, that can end your career. Yeah, right. So he had major surgery. All right. Um, you know, my parents, their marriage was, you know, kind of on the rocks. Um, you know, we were still, they were still all at home. So my brother, you know, um, was still struggling with the aftermath of the storm. He had his surgery. So that was just kind of a... <laughs> Another dagger, right? Like, mm. you know, new high school. You know, my family has gone through this these trials. My baseball career is over. Um, mm. And, you know, he really struggled with that. Mm-hmm. So after his surgery, um, he was introduced to pain medication. Yeah. And the pain medication for him was a coping mechanism. Sure. For the, um, the hurt that he had experienced with the storm with the depression mm-hmm. of his career, you know, baseball career ending, essentially, because mm-hmm. uh, they're not going to pick someone up to play ball that's sure. had major, yeah. you know, surgery. And um, so anyways, he started taking prescription, you know, medicine, and that led to other drugs. It was kind of a gateway. Y'all know what gateway drugs oh, are. Absolutely, it, was a, yeah. it was a gateway drug to, you know, other drugs. Uh, my parents, you know, the communication had ceased. Um, and, and keep in mind, like, you know, we came from, like, from a pretty well-known Christian family in Birmingham. Sure. My grandfather was a minister for 45 years. Oh, wow. So everyone knew yeah. us. All right. <laughs> my dad was an elder in the church. Everybody knew my dad. 
So um, our family name was pretty well known. Sure. And, you know, we were just kind of having to play the part of this facade of, you know, everything's okay. Mm -hmm. When deep down, I mean, the storms, they were tearing everything apart. Mm. Um, So my brother started taking medication. And um, 2015, Jake and I got married. And we had been married three months. And my brother was going to school in Tuscaloosa. And I got a phone call that my brother had overdosed. Wow. Mm. So my parents, their marriage, you know, like I said, that was on the rocks. And they had just kind of, you know, given up. And my brother was living his life, trying to cope. So he had overdosed. And um, actually, my mother was cooking for his 20th birthday. Mm. Yeah. And um, they were having a party at our house for him. And he didn't show up to the party. My mom called his roommate and said, hey, you know, where is he? And the roommate said, well, I I don't know. Right. And so he went in his room and, you know, checked on him, and he had overdosed. Wow. On Xanax. Yeah. Mm. Very familiar. So my, you know, family, my mom and dad took off to Tuscaloosa. (laughs) Jake and I are in Huntsville, you know, newlyweds. And, um, you know, they get down there, and he he was alive. He was breathing, but he was in a really bad state. Mm. So uh, my parents rushed him to UAB, and they got there, and, you know, the doctor told them, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to get your hopes up. I just don't know mm. um, if he's going to be able to, you know, recover fully from this. Mm. So anyways, you know, by the grace of God, he recovered and, you know, came back, came around, and he woke up and he looked at my parents and broke down and said, I need help. Mm, he said, yeah. I'm going I'm going to die if you don't get me help. He said, I can't keep living like this. And right. He, and he knows right from wrong. Sure. Yeah, sure. You know, we've all grown up in the church. He knows that there's a problem. Yeah. He said, please just send me to rehab, which is a pretty big step for someone that has a problem. Yeah. There's sure. a window. Yes. Yeah. There's a window where yeah. people... When they find the bottom, sounds he like he was rock, there. Yeah, he hit rock bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my family, um, we took him to Bradford, mm-hmm. and he spent, I think it was two weeks at Bradford. And um, anyways, he recovered, came home. Um, we had to you know, change cell phone numbers. Oh, yeah. Because you have to, I mean. You have to undo everything. You have to undo everything yeah. because those mm-hmm. people that were calling you sure. for drugs. The, the dealers, yeah. They know. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to completely, you know, change everything for him. He moved home. My parents, you know, they're they're focused on him. So their issues, they, you know, kind of set aside. Sure. And so my brother, he starts going to the AA meetings. Mm-hmm. Or not AA, or AA meetings. And yeah. He finds a sponsor and becomes really good friends with the sponsor. And the accountability there was great. Sure. Good. Because good. he would call my brother, you know, every day. Sure. And, you know, my brother, now he's six years sober. That's awesome. That's, that's yeah. You know, he has yeah. a beautiful wife, you know, great kids. Mm. I mean, it, it really, um, God had a hand yeah. in that because it could have been the alternative. Sure. sure. Your parents during this time, you, you were mentioning them were growing apart. Um, tell us more about that. You. I feel like you were going somewhere with that as well. What what was happening with them? Did they 
they wind up ending or? Yes. So uh, my parents had been married for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, the tornado had happened and then my brother had overdosed. And it was just kind of, that was, mm. that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they decided to separate and divorce after 30 years. Mm. Wow. And I, I tell people all the time, you know, divorce is really hard. And it affects everyone in the family. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say that, like, our situation um, was worse than someone else. But I think it's different when your family, your parents divorce, and you've only ever known them together your whole life. Oh, sure. Mm. I I mean, because 20 years of my life, I've only known mom and dad together. Right. And it's different if you have a two-year-old. Right. Or, you know, a three- or four-year-old. Right. Who they don't really have those memories Still a difficult transition, but totally different. It's different. Right. Because they have they don't have twenty years worth of memories yeah. with their family together. So for you know, my brother and I, that was hard. We've yeah. never known them, you know, to not be at the same Christmas or vacation or to walk in the door and, you know, they're both not there. All right. Um, so I, I think divorce from that angle is harder for people. Yeah. What was your faith specifically how how did all these things because it seems like right there's a pile on here there comes a a breaking point at some point you 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 sought help it seemed like you were moving but throughout all this what was your faith like especially in the difficult times what was your faith like how are you dealing with that in your faith journey i think for me the hardest part was the control aspect because i'm a fixer Oh, yeah. That's my personality. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that gets me in trouble. Yeah. But, like, I want to fix everyone's situation. Sure. I'm a fixer. I want things to go a certain way. I want people to do what they're supposed to do. Right. To follow the rules. Um, And it's a control thing. And admittedly, I struggle with control. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed to say that. Mm -hmm. I just, I want to control situations and make them kind of what I want them to be or what they should be. Sure. So I was, I was trying to, you know. I like your explanation there, what they should be. <laughs> what they should be. They should be, be yeah. the right way, yeah. which is the absolute control in you, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I'm trying to, like, fix my parents' marriage. Right. I'm newly wed. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if it hadn't been for Jake, I don't know what I would have done. Mm-hmm. Because he was kind of the constant, right? He was my constant. He was there. He endured everything that we endured, and he saw it. Mm-hmm. and was able to kind of provide me with that stability and encouragement. So I, I think that my faith was strong because of his help. But as far as, you know, how did it shake my faith? It was a control thing, realizing that, like, God ultimately has the control. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I can offer prayers, but, you know, sometimes the answer that God gives is not the answer that I wanted. Sure. And for someone that struggles with control, I mean... Yeah. I can pray and, you know, ask God to uh, reconcile my parents' marriage and help them, you know, see that, you know, that's not the answer. Sure. But ultimately, I mean, he's going to, he knows best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, whether whether you are a person that struggles with control or not, when you go through as much as as you experienced, I have a feeling that's going to press in on your faith regardless. And, and it's cool that it, it revealed that to you, that it revealed that, all right, there are certain things that I've just got to trust God in. But I could imagine anyone 
going through, what you went through, whether you're a control freak or not a control freak, right? Um, that having a huge impact on wh- where do I go? What just complete and totally feelings of out of control. Um, and so much of our Christianity is based on a lot of how we control things, right? And that out of control feeling is where faith does have to come in. So, and I, yeah, and I think a lot of times people, um, when they go through trial mm-hmm. tribulations, one of the t- one of two things happens: they either turn to God to see them through, mm-hmm. or they're just they're going to turn the opposite way. Yeah. And I think, you know, growing up in the church, that really helped me because I knew that, like, I can't do this alone. All right. You know. Yeah. And um, for me, I, I turned to God and said, look, I, I can't do it. And I'm depending on you Yeah. to see me through this, regardless of the answer that you give, I'm going to be okay with that. Yeah. And that's really hard to swallow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because, you know, my brother had recovered, so that was a prayer answered. Right. So, you know, we had fixed that, but now you know, we got to fix my parents. Right. <laughs> and um, so that was, you know, really hard accepting that. Yeah. yeah. When that's not what you wanted to hear. Absolutely. I was going to say that there's, I mean, talking through all these things, you know, we're, I guess, where are things at? today but maybe even more than that how did you see god working even in the midst of all these these trials and struggles i, I mean I, I thought a minute ago when you mentioned the the counselor you had that she has experienced the same thing you experienced that god kind of brought that together i, I feel like he brought you to the two of you together at that time because you needed that but maybe kind of fill us in how did you see god through through these trials and then maybe where how things are today sure so I continued to seek counseling with her. Sure. You know, after my parents, you know, or, or when their marriage was on the rocks, and then they separated when Jake and I had been married for about two years. So it was, mm. you know, 2011 mm. to 2018 that was just, and in the middle of that, my grandmother also died. Oh wow. So it was yeah. just like. I yeah, mean, just throw that in the mix, just right? Throw That's, that in yeah. the mix, right? Pile on. And you know, she was sick and had a really long illness, and you know, in and out of the hospital, and. You know, having to go and help her, and I was in graduate school, mm-hmm. and I mean, it was, it was hard. But I believe that my faith is where it is today because I've experienced so much. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, yeah. some people are fortunate to not go through tragedies like that in their life, and uh, it's hard for them to relate to people that have. But there are people that have struggled, you know, with addiction or struggled with marital problems or struggled with you know some kind of a tragic event like a hurricane or a car accident or a tornado that can kind of come together and say you know what i get it i've yeah. been there yeah you can speak into that you can yeah. you're right you can relate and yeah. i think that's what people you know long for for sure is to have that connection mm-hmm. yeah it's hard to connect with people that have just had this picture perfect life you know nothing has ever gone wrong mm-hmm. but you know my faith um I can honestly say that it was made stronger. I had my moments to where I questioned. You know, I questioned, is is this, you know, God's way of telling me that I need to do something different in my life? Yeah. Not as a form of, you know, punishment, just, you know, do a self-assessment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but like I said, you know, Jake and I, um, I, I just can't, I can't say enough about Jake. If you know Jake, you know that he's just, <laughs> he's one of a kind. Just a solid character. Yeah. Right. And we came together and tackled these issues as one. And I think that's a big part mm-hmm. of, you know, my faith staying strong. Yeah. But like you know, I said earlier, you're either going to retreat to leaving God altogether, or you're going to put all of your trust and faith in Him. Right. And um, you know, that, that was my option. Mm-hmm. And I think that it helped me because there are a lot of people that have gone through similar things that have just quit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you can say not not to go tackle it alone. You had Jake. You had that. You also had God. You had the counselor. I think we have people out there sometimes that experience things and they kind of just isolate themselves and try to try to deal with it by themselves and I, and I think that's really not healthy for them yeah. and then, no. you know I often think about I've told people this before when I've shared my story but I think it's in Matthew and when Jesus calms the storm yeah and if you remember you know they said oh you have little faith mm-hmm. and you know God was going to deliver them or Jesus was going to deliver them sure out of the trials, you know, they thought they were about to die. Yeah. And he saw them through. Right. And, you know, he saw us through. Right. And there were some bumps along the way. But so um, going back to your question, so my parents separated. And they separated for a year and a half. Jake and I were up here. I was teaching. I was in, like, the busiest part of my career. <laughs> So I was, you know, teaching middle school, coaching basketball, coaching tennis, you know, living at the school. For those of you that, you know, are teachers, you you know that your life is, you live at the school. And I was trying to stay busy. Mm-hmm. And it was hard because we would go to visit and we'd spend Friday night with mom, Saturday night with dad. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and they lived 10 miles apart. And that was, like I said, it was unreal because you, my whole life they've always been together. Mm-hmm. You know, dad was attending another church. Mom was attending another church. Um, you know, dad had resigned as an elder um, at the time. And uh, so that was that was hard. So I got a phone call at like 9 o'clock one night, and it was my dad. And he said, I have great news. And uh, I said, okay, what's that? You know, and I was just kind of down and out about it all the time every time I'd go there I was just depressed I didn't sure. want to stick around oh sure you know holidays like I told Jake one year I said I don't even want to celebrate Christmas mm-hmm. I said let's just go so we hopped on a plane and we went to Boston and spent the holidays in New England because <laughs> I was I was over it right I'm tired of you know doing Christmas at yeah. two houses and it's not supposed to be that way so anyways I um we, we left and took off and had a good time but we wanted to be together, ultimately. But um, so my dad called me in the middle of the night. And he said, I have great news. And I was just like, okay, now what? Like, I just, I don't want to deal with anything else. Yeah. And um, he said, I'm getting married. And I thought, oh, man. Like, <laughs> didn't mm. even know you were dating. Mm. Didn't even know that, like, you were in a relationship with someone. Sure. You know, because I could, had kind of distanced myself until they could, you know, figure it out, which... That was my choice. Yeah. Um, and he said, I said, oh, yeah, that's great. Who are you marrying? He said, your mom. <laughs> and I wow. said, what do you mean? And he said, we know that we're wrong. And all of this could have been reconciled. 
And uh, I said, are you kidding? Yeah. He said, no. He said, I'm headed over there now. And um, he said, you know, we, we know better. We know right from wrong. We know that marriage is forever. And it's a commitment. And that you're going to you know, go through hard times. Wow. You're going to have days to where you, know, you hate each other. You're going to go through days that, um, you know, you don't want to keep pushing. He said, but ultimately we know this is what it, the way it's supposed to be. And he said, we, we feel like we're not right with God the way that we've separated. And truly, you know, that's something we don't want to have to answer for one day. Hmm. Huh. Wow. And so they remarried. So my parents, you know, <laughs> divorced after 30 years, separated, and then they remarried. That's, that's amazing. That's so... Uh, so cool. Yeah. I actually, when you said that, I uh, I caught myself tearing up. Um, yeah. Just just knowing, I mean, you're in a marriage now, and I got a kid, and no, it marriage is tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. But then thinking about your parents and the trauma that was built in uh, by the by the storms, literal storms in life, but also, you know, other storms, other other people go through life storms as well. And figuring out how to balance that, it, it shows the faith that they had, the faith that they've passed on to you as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I mean, just such a cool story to hear how God is weaving himself, even in the middle of these storms. Um, and, and this end result was a beautiful end result, even though the, the I'm sure going through it was very traumatic. I, you know... One final thing, if you had a word of encouragement to those listening to this, there's a lot of people out there that are experiencing their own tornadoes, right? Whatever their tornado experience, whatever their close-to-divorce experience, whatever their child on the other side of divorce experience, whatever their addiction experience, there's a, or maybe it's just depression. Or, you know, we have a whole world of tornadoes in life that people are going through. Um, if you had a final word that you would say that you would want to leave with those listening, what would you, what would you want to say to them right now? I don't want to sound too cliche, but um, don't give up. It's simple. Mm. You know, don't give up. And it's hard. It's really hard. You know, I could have thrown the towel in. And just said, you know, forget everything, forget everybody. Uh, don't get up, give up, and realize that ultimately God is going to see you through. But it may not be the answer that you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, life will throw curves at you that will literally knock you to your knees. Oh, sure. And there have been days to where I have been on my knees. Yeah. And um, if you're struggling, you know, with addiction or marital problems like you said you've been on both sides of that or you've experienced some kind of catastrophic event like it's okay to seek help because that's how you're going to be able to to grow Mm -hmm. from that absolutely and especially you know christian counseling Mm -hmm. because the lady that i saw she was you know firm in the faith and every advice you know all the advice that she gave me was grounded in scripture right yeah. You know, and she would give me homework and say, you know what, I want you to go read this. I want you to tell me how it's relevant to your life. 
And, you know, like I said, you know, people, there's a stigma attached with seeking help. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be labeled as weak or, you know, you don't want people to think that you're crazy, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, if your marriage is on the rocks, it's okay to say, you know what? I need somebody to help intervene. Sure. If you're struggling with addiction and, you know, alcoholism or drugs, it's okay to say, you know what? I can't do this alone. Um, you know, tragedy. Is I don't honestly know where I would be today if I had not gotten help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I say and I say that honestly to you. I'm a strong person. Like I said, I'm a fixer. Right. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm strictly business of like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Here's our plan. Here's our plan. And right. we're going to follow it to a T. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't know where I would be. Sure. You know, would I be as strong in the faith as I am today? I don't know. Right. Would I have struggled with, with things that I saw my family go through? I don't know. I, so I, I think that, you know, asking for help, having somebody hold you accountable really makes a difference. Yeah. Um, and that really provided me with the stability and the encouragement that I needed. And um, today, I, like I said, I'm just so thankful. Yeah. I'm thankful that I, I was able to go and find help. Yeah. And my parents, my brother, they will tell you to this day that they regret not seeking help. Sure. Mm. And on, they'll speak open and honestly about it. You know, my brother, he was 14 years old. You think about the trauma of what he saw and what he went through. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Know, he said, you know, if I had gotten counseling, I, I probably wouldn't have gone down this path in life. Mm. My parents, if we had, you know, got marriage counseling, we probably wouldn't have separated. Yeah. Mm. And I think you just have to be real with yourself. Is this something that I know that I can overcome alone? And am I going to take my chances? Sure. Or am I going to find someone that can help? Right, yeah. Well, that, I, can't, I can't tell you how many times we've said this on this podcast, but it, it, as, as a minister, I've said it a, a billion times, is we're intended for community. Mm-hmm. We're built, and it's not good for us to be alone. That's not my words. Those have been heard and said somewhere else that mm-hmm. when God created us. Um. And I, and I appreciate your willingness, your desire to to get help and to even speak words into that. Yeah. I don't know that I've said this on this podcast, but I am a licensed counselor. And if there is anybody listening right now, you can reach out to me at Doug at Mayfair.org. And I want to be there for people as well. And even if you didn't come directly to me, I can refer you out. But you're right. We're all in need of some sort of help, support, encouragement. Um, and, and and I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, well, Leo, we, we just really we can't say enough of how much we appreciate and thank you for joining us today. This story, the sharing your faith story and, and uh, showing us how God has worked through that. Not only have you been, a, I think, a witness for that and been encouraged to others, maybe you know, since then, but I think through this podcast today, you're going to touch the lives of a lot of listeners, and there are going to be people that are going to be blessed by it. We just thank you so much well, for joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. Um, oh yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask before we kind of close things sure. out if I could pray with you, yes, or we could pray with you here. Okay, man, let's pray together. Dear God, our Father, Father, we just thank you so much for Malia for her. Um, 
her testimony today, Father, her, her life story. And we, we're grateful, Father, for uh, her willingness to share uh, the challenges and the ups and downs and uh, trials that uh, she and her family have experienced, Father. Uh, but we also are grateful how she has shown us how you've worked through that. Mm-hmm. You've worked through her and her brother and her parents and Father through others that you brought into her life to to be there for her. We, we're grateful, Father, um, for the blessing we have of this opportunity to to uh, hear this story. But we pray, Father, that it would be a blessing to so many others that those listening today would not, if they're in the midst of storms right now in their own lives, that they would not go through that alone. Uh, Father, we pray that they would seek help uh, from people, from individuals, and and, and to lean into you, Father, uh, Mm -hmm. to ask for the wisdom and strength to do what they need to do to find, find help for their problems and situations they may be in right now. We're grateful, Father, that you're always there. Uh, and we pray a special blessing on Malia and, and Jake and Daniel and just grateful, Father, again, for this yeah. good family and for this story that you brought, that she brought to us today, Father. Uh, and there's so many others out there, stories of faith and stories of life that where we can see you, Father, and um, and see how amazing uh, you are as our God. Mm-hmm. It's through Jesus we pray this prayer. Amen. Malia, we want to thank you for coming in. For those listening, you know that our our stories of brokenness, struggle, failure, sin, and, and you know this helps others know they're not alone. That while the church is imperfect um, and broken, God has the ability to take our stories and make them into a story that shines a light back on Jesus. And that's that's such a beautiful thing. And it's our hope that the people listening to this will find confidence in knowing that God can and will use your story if you're willing to share it. And I appreciate you, Malia, being willing to share it. Um, and we appreciate any comments and feedback on Unbroken Jars podcast. Uh, we'd also love to hear from you. If you have any faith story you'd love to share, you can reach out to us at unbrokenjars at gmail.com. Please understand that our goal is always to honor God by the experiences of real life stories and real faith that you hear on this podcast. May God bless your life as you live out your story of real faith in your own settings. 